Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy that you are with me today. Today we have a very special interview with a friend of mine and the hostess of the Women of YouTube podcast. So I don't want to waste too much time rambling on. I'm going to read a little bit in her bio about Miss Desiree and then we will jump into the interview. So a little bit about Desiree. Desiree Martinez is an energetic video creator, social media consultant, and speaker about video and content marketing. Desiree is known for her step-by-step -step plans to help businesses, brands, and solopreneurs take actionable steps towards successful content marketing to grow their business. Her credentials include being a social media examiner contributor, founder of Social Media Day Phoenix, which has officially proclaimed a day in the state of Arizona, a former social media producer for CBS 5, Phoenix, hostess of the Women of YouTube podcast, YouTuber, and award-winning social media manager. Desiree is a mom to two rambunctious kids, wife to an Air Force veteran, a tea addict, Slytherin, and a pedicure junkie. Good morning, Desiree. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Oh, you know, live my best mom life. Yes. Oh, I, I fully get it. I get it. Okay. So, okay, let's see. Where do we want to begin? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what first got you onto YouTube? So I actually got on YouTube in um, a weird way. So I started doing social media marketing back in 2010. Then I was dating my husband who became my fiance and then husband, and then he joined the Air Force. And, um, we got stationed in this really remote town in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And this town that we lived in, they did not want to hire military spouses. Like you're talking even like fast food and retail jobs. And because military spouses are prone to move and they're not as reliable, not because we choose to be, but because when the mission calls, like the whole family has to answer. And so I was like, well, this is really messed up. Like you can't help who you love. And you can't help where you live. You just want to make money for your family. And so I decided to start my own agency that puts military spouses to work anywhere that they're stationed around the world by helping small businesses grow their business with better social media and content marketing. And so I'm just chugging along. This is like 2015. And then without fail, this is the conversation that happened. Hey, honey, I got orders to Korea. And I was super excited. I was like, woohoo, we get to move to South Korea. Oh no, how am I supposed to like grow this business and keep up with this thing I'm doing? So at the, around the same time that we had, we were going through the process of like getting everything together for moving. Um, one of my favorite YouTubers, Amy Landino, came out with this really great book called Vlog Like a Boss. And it like really put things in perspective for me. Like I've always known about video. I've always known about the power of video. I've always known about the effectiveness of video, but it never was really talked to me in a way that made me want, like applied a way for me to use it in a way that made sense for me. And it might've just been because it was the right time because I was open to it, but I needed a solution. But her book really shared with me like how I can use video to share my expertise through all of my quirkiness. Um, and if anybody in this world is quirky and weird, it's 100% me. Um, and so when we got moved to South Korea, I just decided like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to launch a, po uh, a podcast. I'm going to launch my YouTube channel um, to share with people things that they need to know about social media. And it just kind of, I didn't realize how much I'd like it. And it's where I have found like I get my, my creative draw from and 
Uh, I'm able to like meet really great people from it and do great things. And of course, the thing that we're kind of all in this for is make money. I do. I do love that book as well. I have that book. It was on one of my uh, top five books that you should read like podcast last year um, because I think it's really powerful. And I love that she wrote it in a way that seems very, it, I watch her videos too. So that kind of dry, sarcastic, funny humor, like I can hear her as she's in that book. Totally. She, and I, I, I want to hear her do the audio version of it now, because I was just like, I can hear it in my head, but I'd love to hear her say it too. I read it. And then I, I downloaded the audible when her thing came out like a year later or whatever. And I listened to it again. And I really believe if you consume someone's content through video or through like a podcast and they write a book, the only way that you can like truly consume their book is through like their, their audio book. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm re- like right now I'm reading Dear Girls by Ali Wong. And like, I can't imagine reading that book. Like the only way I could imagine that is like hearing her do it with all of her inflections and slowing down and speeding up. And of course her, uh, her keeping it real words. <laughs> She's so funny. Oh, I just, I just watched the, uh, always be my maybe on Netflix. She's so funny in that. Everything, everything Allie does. She, I just love her. And I love her in American housewife. I love her in that movie. I love her in, uh, her book. I, I love watching her, her baby Cobra on Netflix. She's like, she's my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. So who do you believe should be on YouTube? I believe um, the people that should be on YouTube is if they understand uh, a couple things. One, you need to know that it's a long game. There's very, very rare moments of like instant success. Um, I think that it's for people that are willing to suck and continue to grow and get better and not get stale. And even once you reach a point where you feel that you, this is success for you, that you continue to try new things and adapt and make new things. And then also people that are willing to deal with the hate to find the, like the little bits of hate to find the good. I do personally think anyone can be on YouTube as long as you can like know like those three things. So why do you think so many people delay on getting on YouTube? Because there's so many people I run into that are always like, oh, I've been wanting to be on YouTube forever. I mean, I'm sure you do as well. It's so common. Why do you think so many of them just never hit the publish video button? Well, I think it's a combination of two things. One, I think it's time. I think people, especially entrepreneurs, I feel like those are the people that say that they really like, I want to make a YouTube channel. Those are the people that are, are business people. Like, oh, I keep hearing Gary Vee talk about it. I keep hearing, you know, all of these different people that are in my ears in some way, shape or form saying, you got to do video, you got to do video. And I think that they don't know how to do it. And I think that people still have in their head, like it has to be this whole like thing, this whole production of stuff. And even me with the clients that I help with video, I tell them like, just sit down, bullet point out what you want to talk about, turn on the camera and record. And like, if you stumble, you edit, like that's the point. Just take a breath and start over. It's just one of those things that people just get hung up on, on all these different things. 
I honestly, the second thing that people don't get on, that they don't get on video is I think that they, you know, have that like a lot of self hate in themselves. Like, oh, I have a face for radio. Oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm. Uh, I'll do that when I lose weight. Oh, I'm just too shy. Oh, I I don't. I don't look like this person, so I can't. And I think that that's a big, I think that really is a big reason. So people use all these other excuses to not get on video, but that truly is um, the reason. Now, and, and for me, I can understand that. I have always been a person who, um, not always, I, I definitely built this tough skin. Um, I've always been a heavy woman. And so I have never known a life of like, quote unquote thinness or anything like that. So I'm just like, this is how I look. This is who I am. And so I'm confident in who I am and what I know and how I look on video is, is how I look in real life. It's actually a little bit of a better version because I do my hair and my makeup before I get it all together and it's well lit. Um, but, um, I think that, I think that really those are the reasons people just get hung up about not hitting the record button. I think it's, all of those. And I think it's so true that they're all excuses and they all are a reflection of how we feel about ourselves slash projecting how we feel other people feel about ourselves. And a lot of those scenarios and conversations that we're having, people aren't thinking those things of us, but we make it that they're making those things and thoughts about us. And the mind is a powerful thing. So trying to reprogram your brain into I need to be on YouTube and I deserve to be on YouTube and I have an audience that's waiting for me on YouTube is, is a really hard shift for a lot of people. I, I just think it's so many things like even me, like I'll take a criticism that someone has given me and just like dwell on it. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm at the end of the day, like as confident as I am about who I am and what I know. And I try very hard to be unapologetically me. I will get feedback from people um, when they kind of have the gumption to give it to me and I just like dwell on it and I'm like, why is, why did this happen? Like, it's just one of those really frustrating things that it's like, why wasn't I good enough for you? And it, and it requires a lot of me, even though I dwell on it, even though I know, and I say, if they don't like me, if they don't like this thing about me, if they don't like this, like default setting of who I am, they're not for me but yet it bothers me and I keep pulling it back in. And I think that that makes us have that live in that doubt and stuff. And it's something we all have to fight through. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, like, what's more important for you to make something for yourself that's going to help other people or for you to keep your genius bottled up because someone said something bad about you at one point, or you just saw a picture of yourself at a really terrible angle. And that's what you think you are or whatever the reason is. And like, that's why you're not helping somebody. I'm definitely a dweller too. I've been there. I will ruminate on something forever and they'll maybe have said it in passing. And I will like for weeks or years, remember that comment and, Oh, I've, I've definitely been there. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's rough. And I, and I think it's just like a female, I don't know if it's, a, I don't know if men are like this. I know there, I know there are men out there, but I don't feel like I have as many conversations with men who are like, I didn't do this because of how I look. I, I think that it's really, when it comes back to it, it's a woman thing. More I definitely would agree with I know. that. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have an innate, we want people to like us. And so if 99 people like us and one doesn't, then we feel like everyone hates us, you know? 
um, it, it's it's weird. Like you want to be this people pleaser, and sometimes I'm I'm speaking in generalities here. I don't find that men have that same thing where they need the majority of the people to like them. So many of the men are so. I mean, of course they would like that, but so many more of them are like doesn't bother me one way or the other if it if it, if they don't like me. And women are like, no, that's not okay. I need to fix this. I need to make them like me or have them understand or whatever it is. And I, I do think that that is one of those societal norms and pressures that comes with being a female sometimes. You know, I do a podcast called the women of YouTube. And I think that my most current interview that I've done when we had this conversation is with Devin Weber. And she said, I think men have been conditioned to not listen to those kinds of comments and women have been conditioned to listen. So it affects us more than it affects men. That's a good point. Yeah. So you kind of touched on a little bit, but for the people who just need to get started, and I feel like sometimes it's one of those rolling hills, like once you get something started, then you're like, oh, it's not as bad. And I'll do a little bit more. But getting started for so many people is the hardest thing when it comes to YouTube or social media. What would you have as advice for someone who was just starting out if you were to give them two or three tips? Well, the first thing is to start, like you have to hit that record button. And I think you have to accept your first video is going to be utter trash. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all YouTubers will tell you this. Um, and I don't want to give you the same advice everybody gives you, but that really is the best one. I think the the second thing I would say, this is going to be specific for those of you that are in business. Oh, and this is something you can think about, even if you're making a YouTube channel, just because it's something that you really want to do. Think about the business part of it. What is the purpose of your YouTube channel for you? And um, because I approach the majority of everything I do is like there's passion projects and there's things that you can care a great deal about, but there's also a thing where it's like there is still a value on your time. So how are you going to make money from your time? And so everything that I do for my passions and stuff usually do have a money component added to it. Like, how can I get paid for this? What is the longevity of this? How can I get engagement from this? How can I get emails from this? And so really just thinking about when you're going into your YouTube channel and you're creating your plan for your first, you know, 15, 20, 30, 50 videos, what is the ultimate goal with that? And so I definitely take that time to plan that out. Every video you make should have a purpose identify what that purpose is and go from there. I believe that too. There should be a strategy in place because so many of the people then, you know, they want to be variety and then they throw out a whole bunch of stuff and then they don't understand why their channel isn't growing. And especially as a business, that can be torturous for you when the whole point is to convert attention into revenue. And it's really hard to do that as, you know, as a scattered kind of not I, I, and I've used my YouTube channel to experiment with things to see if there can be revenue channels. So for example, um, I was doing this segment on my channel called military marketing Mondays, where I was teaching people about military life so that they could market to the military demographic better. Well, what I ran into is that one, the people that were finding those videos were one of two people. One, they were looking for information for themselves because they were a military person. They were a military spouse and need something explained to them. Or two, they were actually people who were curious about the information, but it wasn't converting for sales. Um, How I've gotten sales from military stuff 
hasn't been anywhere near what I'm, I'm really good at, which is content marketing. And I know that I have a unique niche with being a military spouse and growing up a military kid. And I know about it and I do, I have done talks about it and, and I've helped people, but it's more, um, it just wasn't working. And so I just, I canned it, but I didn't know that without testing it and seeing, and I did have a business objective attached to it. And sometimes those don't work out. And, and I think it's important when you realize that something doesn't work, that you can pivot and yeah. like nothing is set in stone, but like having still that singular focus for a while is still going to get you the answer because you'll never know until you do it, repeat it, and then figure out, is this working or not? Exactly. And you have to use that data. Yeah. And so I think the third thing, the third piece of advice I gave you, so the first one is hit record. The second was make sure you have a plan and an objective for your business. Um, Cause event, once you start YouTubing, essentially, eventually it's going to be a business, hopefully. Um, the third thing I'm going to say to you is remember social proof does matter. Um, and this is something that I've been faced with recently and there is something to it. We as YouTube educators, and while I don't consider myself like a vast gigantic YouTube educator, I'm not like Shelly or Nick Nimmin or Salma Joffrey or anything like that. Um, the, the, the proof, the, the truth is, is that your views matter more than your subs um, people are watching the views, the CPMs, all that kind of stuff matters when it comes to your YouTube channel. But when you get to a place of growth and you're part of what you're trying to do is sell things that have to do with your YouTube channel, like be a speaker or get on other people's stages or in, in PR situations or collaborations or any of that stuff. When you say that you have 10,000 subscribers versus say I have a thousand subscribers, um, the response is much different. And so if part of your goal with your business is that you want to speak on stages and build the, build money from your community, you do need the numbers. And I'm, I'm, it, it really does matter. It does. I wish it didn't. And, uh, you know, in that pink, puffy cloud, perfect world, you know, where it didn't, and people could just judge you on the quality of the content itself, not even just video quality, but what you're saying, um, that would be nice. But unfortunately people do, they care about, you know, how does your set look? How does the audio look? How does, you know, the lighting look? And they care about all that. And then they want to see, why would I listen to her if she only has 50 views on this video? Even though everything you're saying in that video is correct and helpful, there's this weird component attached to it that if you don't have 10,000 subscribers or more, if you don't have, you know, thousands of views on your video that all of a sudden you can't be trusted as much as someone who, who does. And I think that's just so completely backwards. I've, I mean, personal it, rant bothers me. <laughs> it is what it is. Like I've lost speaking opportunities because I did not have the social proof. Um, it's just one of those sorts of things. Like you have to be, it's one of those situations where it's like, in order for you to prove how effective something is, you have to have the numbers, right? So like, if you want to look at things like your ROI. So when I do a lot of my work on social media, people want to know, okay, what's the return on the investment on that? That's why I tell people social media is such a weird thing for tracking your success because social media is about awareness. It's about brand building. It's about storytelling. Um, and so it is important to measure how, what, measure what the goal is for your post. If your post is engagement, if your post is views, if your post is, if your goal is clicks on that, like whatever it is, only one, by the way, little tip for me to you, one goal per post on social media. Um, don't try and make people do a whole bunch of work. So you have, you have a thumb scroll to get their attention. Um, uh, 
the numbers matter. So when I'm selling to my clients and they're asking me things like, you know, what's the return of investment? Am I going to get more downloads on my podcast? From this? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get this? And I was like, well, yeah, but you know, you have to know how you're measuring that success. And, and that's what YouTube is. How good are you at YouTube? Well, let's go see how many subscribers you have. Let's go see how many views you have on your last 10 videos. Let's go see um, what your most popular video is and see how many views that one has. A lot of us YouTubers have access to tools like TubeBuddy or vidIQ or Morning Fame. And specifically, though, there's one I'm talking about with TubeBuddy where you can see what other people's like click-through rates are and uh, how much money they're making off of their posts and, and how long people are watching, what their keywords are. So it's just one of those things like that stuff does matter because we also don't want, we want to endorse people that are actually, that can teach you because they've done it and had success from it. There was a lot in, to unpack in what you said. Yeah, and I think it's sorry. so funny. No, 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 no. It's great. I think it's so funny because, you know, Instagram is testing out the, uh, you know, hiding the likes and everything. And I think a lot of people are now worried about what does that mean for social proof? And there have been studies already that show that hiding that number has been better for people's mental health because we get and attain so much of our value from what that number is, how many likes, how many people, how many views. And now it's more of a headspace where it's like, if you like it, you like it. And it's still all visible to the person who is creating that content. It just isn't as uh, much to everyone else who is viewing that content. And I think that sometimes YouTube, as great as it is for showing us and giving us all these analytics, we can go into that analysis paralysis and jealousy that happens when you're, you have every metric you can think of that is comparable, monetizable, and, you know, like shown to you in a chart, you know, when they tell you like this video is doing better than your last video, it could be helpful, maybe not video, um, or maybe it isn't helpful because this one, this video you care more about than the last one, or, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, but the thing I really cared about didn't do as well. What does that mean? Maybe I shouldn't make it. And then all of a sudden, we start letting our channels be run specifically by how our audience reacts instead of sometimes just making things for ourselves or making things for fun or a different purpose. It becomes so much about what can I do to game the system and get the click and do the things. And it, it, it's funny because we all want those things, but I think a lot of us want to be fulfilled with the stuff that we're putting out as well. So it's a, it's a balance and it's a game to do all of those numbers and metrics at the same time as still keeping your sanity and making money. Yeah, no, it's all of the, it's all the things. That's why I think people need to approach, you get to a point in YouTube where you're like, okay, this is a business. What is it that I need to do? Like, what's my niche? What's my, uh, what are my thumbnails? What's my keywords? What's my titles? Like, how good is my video? Do I have the seven seconds to capture people's attention? Like, is my intro too long? Am I using the cards? Am I using the end screens? Am I getting people to take action by hitting subscribe and getting my freebie down in the comment section, or I'm doing this ad for this client. Like I got to talk about the ad, but not make it sound like an ad and, and, and stay true to my brand and my people, but I got to make that money. Like it's yeah, I think all of that, it's, it's all about overwhelm. And I think that is one of the biggest reasons why people don't actually ever hit publish because there's so much of that. You just get paralyzed by all of those questions, even before you, and then, that is not the right headspace to be in even before you start to record a video, let alone everything that comes with measurement and, you know, performance afterwards. So I think that's a lot of what is so scary for people is, you know, also then they derive, like I said, their self-esteem from, I finally put out a video. Oh my gosh, I finally did it. Two people viewed it. 
you know, or yeah, I only got 10 views. Yeah. It could be like your best work and it could be your best stuff. And it could be like what you literally make thousands of dollars every month doing for people. And you just want other people to have success from it. And like, you get that slow trickle and you're just like, oh man. And that's why you think that like, you have to look at YouTube in two ways. You can look at YouTube as a way to make money. It could be a way for you to share your genius and make money. Like that's really how you can do it. Or you can look at YouTube as part of a video marketing strategy. I know I've talked with Renee Teeley about this a lot and, and we, and I've talked to her about with my podcast and I think they're different and she thinks that they're the same, but I really think that people who are like, I want to be a YouTuber and I want to make video for my business. It's like kind of two separate things because I don't think Roberto Blake or Nick Nimmin or any of, of them who are like YouTubers care about a video marketing strategy outside of YouTube. In fact, I know they don't because I've asked them. <laughs> and that is funny because I don't think there's ever one correct answer for anything. No. Any question, any strategy. And that's the beauty of, you know, YouTube or business or whatever it is. It's whatever you make of it. I think that's just about anything, honestly. Like you're not going to know what's going to work for you unless you test it. Yeah. Like if you ever hear somebody say, if you're not doing this, you're going to fail, walk out. Cause that person is, is so wrong. Anyone who has a black and white. Yeah. Construct like that. Um, no, <laughs> there's, right? there's so many variables that like, I don't think you could ever sit there and be like, if, th- if you're going to do this, that's just, that's it. That's, that's the be all end all for success or not. Right. No. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you're getting value out of it. I'm just interrupting for one minute to tell you about our sponsor, and that is Vertical Video Marketing Academy, which is my signature one-on-one coaching and consulting program. If you're ready to up-level your personal brand and make sure that you can convert attention to revenue, I am here for you. Make sure you catch the information in the show notes so that I can work with you on how to do all the things. I'm really excited about my program and making sure that I can help you get the most success possible in a customized and tailored program just for you. In 90 days, you will go from clueless to feeling confident about your content distribution strategy and how to actually get across your message in a way that is entertaining and of value to your ideal customers. So if you're ready to take that leap, make sure you check out the notes in the description and you will learn all about that. And now back to the interview. Okay. So any favorite equipment or gear that you use or recommend for someone getting started on YouTube? You know, um, I think that if you put, okay. So when I started on YouTube, like again, I'm gonna get cliche with everybody. The best camera is one you have, right? Cause it's most important to record yourself, put it up, go. Okay. After that, you use the crappy gear, the basic gear, what you have to work it out. Once you're ready to dive into the seriousness of it, that's when you really got to consider a combination of things. When you do need a good camera and you do need a good, you do need good lighting and you do need good sound. So you've got to figure out like what that looks like for you. I spent months obsessing about my set. Now I had a little bit of a unique situation that other people don't have. I lived in South Korea and I wasn't allowed to have a set. Like, I know that sounds really weird, but we were really limited on how much weight we could ship from Korea to the States. And so I had to make the decision to not have a set. So my first year on YouTube was a webcam and a window. 
Like that's all I had. Um, but when I moved to Las Vegas, which was our next duty station, I put a lot of th thought and research for months. I'm like, how am I going to make the background I want? What are the things I want? What is like the background going to represent? Because your background is a representation of you. So like when you see my background, I have like my books, I have a vintage recording camera. I have like a little Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog that's kind of hidden out. Some people can't see. It's kind of like an Easter egg. I have this little light up thing that says slow your scroll. I have a board. Like I put a lot of thought into these things. So this is like who I am. I have stuff with my kids when I can like this so that it's like relatable, but also like not distracting to the point where it's like, I'm out of focus. So that's the kind of stuff that you like to think about. Um, for gear, I just bought a Canon creator kit off of Amazon because it came with a mic. It came with a camera, a lens and a battery. And then I just bought a, um, Polaroid tripod because it had the crank to make high or low. It was, a, it could get up to the 72 inches, which I really liked. And then I bought a ring light and that's, you know, I spent you know, probably somewhere in the ballpark of 1500 bucks between gear and my set, but it's because I didn't have anything, but I was ready to make that big investment into this. And I have gotten that back from AdSense and, and from client work and, and speaking opportunities and, and things like that. So it's like, it was that investment I made um, in my business, just like how you make an investment to like join a networking group or anything else that you do for your business. Definitely. It is an investment when you talk about putting money back into your channel. And I think a lot of people, once they start to make money, they don't think about sometimes improving the quality of the video and experience for their viewer. And so that's what a smart business person does is they put it back into their business. Like how can I make clearer videos or have better sound or have better lighting so that the experience of the viewer is better so that they're not distracted by anything. So they can just focus on what it is that I'm telling them. Well, it's even and people don't think about that. Yeah. It's even the challenge of like upping your editing game. Like I have, oh, yeah. have like a good, like heart to heart with my editor and be like, all right, look, dude, you either wait, these are the changes I want to see as I improve my quality of my videos. And I need the editing to reflect that. I want more text on my screen. I want these transitions. I want more popping. I want more zooming. Like what do you need me to do when I'm recording to make these things happen? And it was like really working through that. And like when you study YouTubers who are successful, you're not going to see a generalization here. You're not going to see a very successful YouTuber who doesn't have, who has invested in a decent camera and focuses on sound and making sure their shots and their editing is good. Like you're not, and no one's going to have like a dark, a dark set where it's just like black and them talking. Like it's not how it works. I love that you actually also have an editor. So you've managed to outsource some of that. <laughs> I, I love it. Straight up, y'all. I have had an editor since the start of my YouTube channel. Um, Shelly and I were actually talking about this before we were recording. And um, we're all familiar with the Miracle Morning and like the Navy SEAL, like we get up at 4 a.m. And I'm like, I was joking, like half joking. I want to write a book called The Mommy Morning. And it's like, there's a million things that you have to do and everything is done in like spurts of five, 10 and 15 minute spurts of like productivity while also trying to juggle all of the things of motherhood. And I knew when I want to do the YouTube channel, I knew if I want to grow my business, if I want to get this done, if I want to make this YouTube channel while also managing my family, while also managing my existing client list, growing my team, doing all of the things 
something had to give and it was money because I couldn't, I didn't have any more time to give. So I got an editor. I went to Fiverr and I found an editor that would work with me. We negotiated a price and I just provided him with everything I needed and he, and he made it work. And then I ended up actually switching to a different editor who, um, is became a very close friend of mine. Um, and we've been working together for years and we've expanded the business doings that we do together, um, from what we've done. And it's still one of the best investments I make in my business. And I think it's important to realize that some people have to weigh that cost benefit analysis on what is my time worth, you know, or instead of struggling, if, if editing is not your forte, why would you spend six hours doing it when you can use that six hours recording more videos and having someone else edit and give you a better look and aesthetic than you could achieve yourself? That is a smarter business decision. I'm going to counter you back. It doesn't matter if you're good at it or not. I am a good editor. I know how I went to college for this. Don't have time. I yeah. do, however, have a standard and an expectation. And so because I've been editing, because I study my craft and what people are doing, uh, it literally, literally everything always comes back to my time. And I say, how much would I, how much money am I losing by doing this myself? Right. And, and if it is more, I pay it out. And I get done. And that if I can do that with everything, and I do that with as many things in my life as I can, because there are just some things I can't get back. I can't get back time with my kids. I can't get back time with my husband. I can't get, you know, back speaking opportunities. I can't get back this, like this time I'm having with you guys. Like this is time I had to spend. Like I had to, you know, even when you're asked to do things in your business to grow it, like being on someone else's podcast or someone else's YouTube channel or doing a PR thing, like you have to count is their audience like worth my time? Is that going to be a good fit for me and choosing to say yes or no? Right. No, definitely. I'm saying if, if your time could be better spent or returned more by doing, by recording more or something then absolutely. Yeah. And that's the business mindset of being able to know what that return on investment is versus, you know, you doing things that, you know, where you choose to spend your time. Yes. Most deaf. Okay. So question for you. Now you decided to start a business when you were wanting to help other military uh, spouses, which I think is so admirable. And you did that kind of out of necessity based on where you were living and everything. So what, was there any other motivation that you really had besides, I want to help other military spouses and, you know, work from wherever they are? I mean, honestly, this has some backstory to it. So snuggle down guys. So I grew up a military kid and I grew up a latchkey kid at that. Um, one of the nice things about living on any military base in the world still today is it's like a time work back to the sixties and every like kids play outside and everyone walks everywhere. And there's like five-year-olds at the commissary buying food. Like it's just one of those things. Um, and so I, I grew up a latchkey kid because uh, my parents worked a lot because military life is not people don't get in it because of the money like it's just one of those things and so my mom worked a ton my dad worked a ton as a marine and my husband grew up that way too my husband grew up an air force kid it's exact with the exact same kind of structure and we both hated it because our parents weren't around for things and so we had had a, a lot of conversations while we were going through our engagement about like what does family look like to us and it was always one person worked and one person stayed home with our kids. And it was usually he worked and I would stay home with our kids. That's what I wanted to do. 
And so Military Life is supposed to provide that for us. And it did because we worked, we focused really hard on not having debt. And so we don't buy things out of our means. So it wasn't as hard or hard for us as other people to go into the military um, and live on one income while having children. But I got really bored. I was like, I was down to mom the first year. Like it was my life. I was like, let's have five. Like I'm ready for this. Like I loved being pregnant. I loved being a mom. I loved the kids. But then it was like things started happening that like were really like draining on like my mental health. And it was like, I was lonely um, because it was kind of, it, again, it wasn't a very good, it wasn't a, a really great base by comparison to other places. Um, it was a lot of like spending time on the internet. It was a lot of Netflix. It was a lot of not doing things. I got pregnant with my daughter when my son was nine months old because we wanted to have our kids close together. And I just got tired and more and more tired and my brain wasn't being used. And I even tried being a mommy blogger and it just wasn't right. And so in a moment of inspiration, that is where all in one came from reading comments from people from we, every military base has a spouses group on Facebook, every single one. Like it's literally the first thing every military spouse does when they find out they're going into the air, they got the new base, they go find the base and start asking questions and learn about where they're going to be moving to. Um, and just seeing these threads like I can't get work. I can't get work. And I was like, I could fix this. I could help. Like, why don't I do this? And I talked to my husband. I, I wrote a little like one sheet out. I problem solved some things. Like if this went away with what could I, could I do this, this, and this? And it worked. And because I already had a network of people to turn this service to, it was literally profitable within the first month. And so it was just one of those things like boredom and mental health and a need brought this business to be. That's so amazing. I love that story. Now, when you are creating your business and you have your YouTube channel and you're working in social media, how do you decide what is the delineation between the type of paid content and advice that you give versus the free content that you are creating and putting up on the internet? So for me, that's actually really easy because I don't sell information. I sell time. And I know that sounds very funny because I just talked a lot about value on your time. Anyone can do social media marketing. Anyone can do social media management. I have a whole YouTube channel with over 300 videos to solve all of those problems for you. There's roadmaps, there's freebies, there's all that stuff. And you can try and do it by yourself. And then it's sort of the point of what I'm teaching you is like, it's a lot of work. Do you want to spend your time doing it? Or would you rather do what you like to do or do what you're good at or do what actually gives you money and just hire it out? And so that's what we get paid to do. We get paid to, we sell time. And so that's why with all in one social media, we are do it for you, social media and content marketing services. So we create your content, we create your posts, we create text overlay videos for your Facebook, your Instagram, your LinkedIn. And we make sure that they get published and that we're following trends and that we follow the rules of the social media platforms because you can take one post and put it on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. But how you do that, like the, the size of the image, the structure of the paragraph, the hashtags, no hashtags, links, no links, all of those rules are different. And we keep up with it and we do, and so we do it for you. And that's what we're good at. 
I think it's a really good thing that you just said when you demonstrate, these are all the things that you can do to be successful in your business. And we're going to show you how to do it. And then someone is going to be like, whoa, that's a lot. And then you also provide this, but we can do it for you and save you all this time. But now you have a groundwork and understanding of the work that we're putting in behind the scenes. So it's really helping your business by having so much of that free content out there to show them how much work you guys are putting in behind the scenes. Yep. I love that. Yeah. A lot of like the tutorials that I make are because my clients have needed something like even like my, (laughs) my, one of my top five performing videos on my YouTube channel is how to go live horizontally on your phone. Because I kept, we've all had that person in our life that goes live and like they're vertical in the view, but then it's like sideways and they like (laughs) weren't doing it. And it's the littlest thing you have to do to make it not work. And one of my best friends who's, I was doing work with, she's like, I can't seem to figure this out. I'm like, I'm going to make you a video. And it's like my top three performing video on my YouTube channel. Isn't that funny how that works sometimes? Just like, you think you're talking to one person. And I think that that is the thing is sometimes when you are talking literally to one specific person with very specific problems, everyone is like, I have that problem too. Thank you so much. And you're like, wow, I didn't know other people were watching. Right? Yes. Now, is there any particular video that you've had where it has just led to some opportunity that you never thought would happen? Oh, oh man. Um, I'm going to say no, actually. I have not had that. Still waiting to happen. (laughs) Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for, you know, honestly, for me, I don't have, I, I don't have a YouTube channel full of magic. Like I, I have a YouTube channel full of help and, and, and sass. Like those are the two things that you will get from my YouTube channel. I think um, help with SAS is magic. Yeah, right. What my youth, what no one video has led to me things, but what my YouTube channel and like the purpose of my YouTube channel was grow your business with better content marketing has given for me is I've gotten a lot of really great speaking gigs. Um, I'm starting to get paid speaking gigs, which is an even bigger deal around what I'm doing. Um, I have my new, I create talks and I have like a new talk that I'm doing called um, reduce, reuse, and rejuvenate your, your business uh, through video marketing, um, which Shelly is super familiar with because she helped me work through it. <laughs> um, and it's like, that's like my big pitch for the year. And I've got like a whole bunch of speaking gigs based off of that because I do this work and I figure out how to formulate it, I guess, so that other people can do it too. Um, so it's just that kind of stuff. My videos lead to people finding me and wanting to work with me because they've gotten my opt-in and they've liked it. Like, how can we just like work with you? I don't want to do this, which is what I want everybody to say. Um, so that's, what, and then of course, it's allowed for me to be part of an amazing community of female creators, which is like what I'm finding. I'm more and more passionate about every single day, which is why I created the women of YouTube podcast. Um, and so my YouTube channel has given the social proof that people need to know that I know what I'm talking about. And um, they're able to execute the strategies themselves. And then they're able to be like, okay, yeah, she does know what she's talking about. This does work. Let's get her into our system in some way, shape or form. Awesome. I love that you're getting speaking gigs from that proposal. Is that right? That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm so like, 
proud. If you <laughs> so ever excited need, for you. If, if you, if you take Shelly out for Mexican food, she will <sighs> help you come up. I will. Or a new speaking gig for your business. Anything <laughs> over a margarita and a burrito. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am there for I you. Li- I literally keep it. I, I have this piece of paper. It was, a, it was the, uh, the placemat, right? The placemat, yeah. <laughs> so I have it on my desk. It was the placemat where we mapped this out. And then I'm just like, I got this. Oh and my I gosh. Actually, you took it and ran with it. I love it so much. I did. And so it's just one of those things. Like when you find you, you, you sometimes, and this is advice for anybody in the business. Sometimes when it comes to your own stuff, you're just too close to it. And it's so hard for you to see it. So if you have a mastermind of people or a group of people that you can just like throw up your ideas onto, they can I call it help. vomit. Yeah. They can <laughs> help you like work through it and take what you're trying to do and, and see it with fresh eyes and their perspective to help you begin your genius. So like if I had to say my videos have done anything great for me is it's brought my my, my lady creator mastermind to a standstill where we are accomplishing our goals and crushing it every week. I love it. Oh, it's so good. Any, okay. So I would say if there's a do that I also heard from you, it's also find other like-minded creators, possibly talk to them, converse with them. Are there any don'ts, don'ts that come to mind when you think about being on YouTube? Oh man. Um, I want to say, don't be thirsty. Um, cause you have to put in the work you have to put in the time. And I've learned this from my own experience, guys. Sometimes we just get too ambitious and too excited. And we see these people and we know these people who are crushing on like this level you want to get to, and you think you're ready to perform at their level and be there. And, um, you're not, which is why you get, why you don't get those speaking gigs you want, which is why you didn't get that business you wanted, why you are having the slow growth you are going through. And that's why it's frustrating. Don't get thirsty. Just put in the time, do the work and the proof will come and you'll know when it's time because that's when the people start to flood in patient sometimes. Okay. That's good. Any other don'ts or do's other do's that do come to mind? Um, literally I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of the find your tribe. This has to do with all areas of your life. And what's also really amazing about the world that we live in is that your tribe doesn't have to be like people you went to high school with or college with or people that live in your neighborhood or like in your mommy group or anything that like they can be people that you have met and have been so inspired by and just had this like magical connection with that you can do a virtual chat with them every week, that you can have an ongoing Google Hangouts message with them. You can have this text message that you're doing. Find your people that fill the love that you, that, that you need in your life. For me, I am, as a military spouse, I was forced to do this because I had to, and I just realized it applies to so many things. I have two friends that I love from living in Abilene, Texas, and we have a text message and we have a book club together. And we just talk about a book 
through a text message and just like stay connected that way. I have these friends of mine that we were like pre-baby and we have a Google Hangout chat that we have and we just talk and talk and talk in there about all of the things like from our, mostly about our kids being a hot mess, our husbands, things that were going on, like lady part problems, like all of it happens in that Google Hangout. And then I have my weekly mastermind that I have with, with you, Shelly, and with our friend Renee, where we are in a similar, all in this like very like on the cusp of greatness part of our business. And we just need to work through things, having an outside perspective and having people to hold us accountable and to share ideas with. So I'm, you're able to have these conversations and it might seem like a lot to manage, but it, it really, it isn't when it's like what your heart needs. Women need women to, to accomplish what we want to accomplish, to be who we want to be, to, to know that what we're doing is what we want to do when you're alone or we're dealing with men all the time. It's not, you're, you're, you're going to have that frustration. Right on. Yes. Finding your tribe. Now, speaking of your tribe, when you are ready to watch some of them digitally, who do you like to watch on YouTube? Well, I love Amy Landino. I will fangirl over her until I'm blue in the face. Even if she's saying things I cannot relate to like her morning routine. Um, uh, other people, I love watching Swoop. Um, she used to be Spanky Valentine. She's an amazing um, filmmaker and she's been going through some truly deep things right now and she's sharing them on the internet and it's uncomfortable to watch, which means you have to watch because it's an, it's an important story to be told. I really love watching Colin and Samir as well they um have a really good youtube channel they do this like weekly segment every week where they're diving into issues and things around like creators and youtubers and all these people and i really love what they have going on um i really love like for for just for fun i really love um how to drink um it's this guy in new york that's got this crazy like youtube channel about like creating fun um drinks i love bon appetit's channel and i love the super carlin brothers um, because it's all like Disney related, um, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, like fan theories and, and diving into things. And I just really enjoy it. I know you have a couple kids. Does that mean that you just purchased the Disney plus app? Oh, 1 million percent. Like we have <laughs> one. Yeah. My husband stayed up until midnight to download the app onto our Roku. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Like, we have watched Mandalore. It's like the best. We've already watched Lady and the Tramp. We just like pull up like all these videos. Like we have a, a catalog of movies and we got 1100 movies and we're like, let's just watch Disney plus because they're all here and they're all nice and HD and there's some we even don't have. And I'm like, it's so exciting. So yeah, <laughs> okay. we are, we are that family. <laughs> okay. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so I want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast. Now, where can people come and find out more about you if they want to learn about you or how to work uh, with Best you? place to go is just find me on YouTube. You can find me at YouTube under Desiree Martinez, or you can go into the URL and do youtube.com forward slash Mrs. Desiree Rose. That's where I am. And that'll lead you to all the places where I'm everywhere else. Awesome. Any last words that you want to give to the audience? Guys, remember... YouTube is a business, but you also have to have some fun with it. So create stuff for yourself and remember weird is good for business. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you leave a five-star rating on whatever listening platform you are listening on. And I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you later. Bye.